0: Welcome to CineStudy, an incomparable extravaganza featuring film breakdown, analysis, and overall good times. Now for our 28th episode, Spider-Man Far From Home mini-review. Hello everybody, welcome back to CineStudy, I am your host Dylan, and in today's episode I will be doing a quick mini-review, and if you don't know what that is, it's basically what the name suggests, a short review, not very structured, just kind of flowing thoughts things I like, things I didn't like about the movie, and we will be tackling Spider-Man Far From Home, the new movie from Marvel in the MCU, of course, directed by John Watts and starring Tom Holland, Jake Hall, Samuel L. Jackson, Zendaya, and a couple other familiar faces. What's new? It's the MCU. It's gonna have a lot of familiar big faces here. In typical Cine study fashion, this mini-review will be divided into both spoiler-free and spoiler-full sections, so you can listen to this both before you've seen the movie and after you've seen the movie without getting anything ruined ahead of time this is my first episode in a little while i had a good streak going of an episode a week some things came up and now i'm back at it a little bit not sure if i'll be able to pick that streak back up but that's kind of beside the point here we are let's talk about spider-man far from home after we finally unloaded from the huge extended analysis episode of episode 27 the princess bride inconceivable Okay, so let's start off with kind of one of the big things of the Marvel movies, which is, of course, the action. The action's kind of the draw of a lot of Marvel movies. It's a superhero movie, of course. And the action here is a big improvement upon what was done in Spider-Man Homecoming. Uh, I've looked at kind of the list of final battles in Marvel history, and they really range from just the totally epic ones of things like Infinity War, Endgame, any of the Avengers movies, really, alongside maybe even the Guardians movies. But then you got some smaller-scale, not-too-much-happening, Uh, closure to a movie ant-man and the wasp comes to mind along with maybe the first thor iron man 2 and a few other just small battles at the end that aren't as good as well as some just kind of lackluster battle sequences i feel like the battle of wakanda and black panther is a little bit weak and i feel the same way about the battle at the end of thor the dark world uh, and a few others but this is all beside the point I just realized I just kind of veered into a lot of final battles, but the whole point is this has a good final battle and all, but just all of the action sequences in this movie of, of course, Spider-Man fighting the elementals, as well as some other things that occur in this movie, there's much more going on in the action scenes. In Spider-Man Homecoming, you've got the battle against the Vulture that's just kind of a few hits and then some recovery and a few hits, but it's more about the set piece of like an airplane or a truck even and some other stuff like that where it's more advancing the plot because there's a lot of other stuff going on in Homecoming besides direct villain duels. You get a lot more villain just straight battle sequences in this movie with Spider-Man and Mysterio teaming up to fight the Elementals. Uh, And those are just a lot more fun to watch. First of all, because the enemies are so diverse, you've got Lava Monster, Water Monster, a couple other things in there. And so it's fun to see how those kind of abilities change with each and how we're able to overcome those problems, how we can fight this Water Monster. And Overall, they're just a lot more fun because they're not just standard Spider-Man. You got Peter Parker trying to hide his identity throughout one of them. Uh, you got Peter Parker trying to protect his friends throughout one of them. You got Peter Parker trying to harness his own abilities to the best that he can, even when he's broken down or you know when his suit is new or beaten up or anything like that, or when he's trying to get his spider sense going, referred to comedically as the Peter Tingle in this movie. And this was seen in the trailers a little bit. But it's, it's a lot more fun because there's just a lot more to care about and a lot more going on, as opposed to, again, like the kind of one-on-ones against the Vulture in Spider-Man Homecoming that were just okay. We got a lot better set pieces, a lot more cool stunts, like the water monster comes to mind of a really cool initial move where Spider-Man kind of goes in and out of this same window of a falling building, and it looks awesome. So all of that is done... A lot more fluidly, and it just looks really sweet, especially when you got the powers of Mysterio being introduced, and you see his fighting style and his cool powers. The CGI of his character uh, looks great, of like you know, kind of the green lasers, all the the VFX that went into this movie really pay off because the water monster and the lava monster look awesome, as well as Mysterio fighting him. So again, the action sequence is just a lot more fun, a lot more engaging because there's a bit more stakes to each of them. I would say let's move on to kind of the acting. This is a you know a common subject. When do we not uh, tackle the acting? Uh, the acting in this movie is great. I maintain that Tom Holland is the best live-action Spider-Man, and he just has this great sense of the character around him, of you know juggling his high school life and having so many things he wants to do while also having to be Spider-Man, wrapped up with a nice line that you've seen in the trailers of, uh, I just didn't know I would have to save the world this summer. That's kind of a good line that shows, yeah, Spider-Man is a hero, but he's also trying to live this normal life, even though the world's pressuring him, which I should mention, Endgame Spoiler is incoming, uh, so maybe skip ahead a little bit. Uh, I can't really give you the exact times because I feel like I'm going to bring this up a couple of times throughout the episode, but Endgame Spores, maybe see Endgame before you've seen this, by the worldwide gross of Endgame, you've probably seen it if you're listening to this and care about Spider-Man far from home. But he's getting the pressure to fill the void that Iron Man left behind. And so it's a lot of kind of juggling. Do I want to be Iron Man? Do I just want to be a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man? Do I just want to be Peter Parker? And he's kind of rides those lines a lot. He becomes the kind of Iron Man figure towards the final battle of like, okay, let's suit up, let's do this. You got the friendly neighborhood part where he's like, I need to protect my friends and Mysterious, like, look, sometimes people die. The more important thing is we got to beat the elementals here. And then also just the Peter Parker aspect, wanting to be with MJ, stuff like that. And we ride those lines throughout the movie really well. I feel I feel like in that sense, the movie really succeeds. The pacing is a little all over the place because you've got like long sequences of just like comedic bits that are only slowly advancing the plot that could be accomplished in like 30 seconds. Like there's, there is a bit that could get cut out of this movie. And I'll talk about one of those scenes a little bit later on, but the pacing is kind of you know, okay in that sense, but the way we kind of dice up the plot into Peter Parker, Spider-Man, potential Iron Man, that's a really nice division. I really like that. And, you know, obviously with that, Tom Holland is great at both, being the superhero actor and being the awkward teenager actor. He really shines in all those, and he shines in his comedy as well. It's a lot of fun to watch him. He's a pretty cool presence. The one thing, I talked about this with co-host Grant, and that is that Spider-Man's villains, the vulture and the villains in this, almost tend to overshadow Spider-Man at times. I'll talk about this a little bit more in the sport Full section, but the villains are really so engaging and so interesting and so unique in both the MCU Spider-Man movies that you almost want to just go back to them a lot and not necessarily watch Tom Holland. But Tom Holland still holds his own. He's still a lot of fun to watch. Uh, but let's move on to, uh, let's do Samuel L. Jackson as Nick Fury. He's just the Nick Fury you've come to know and love. Witty, you know, kind of Gives some jabs at people, but also his like super intelligent and smooth self. He's a lot of fun. We got the whole cast of high schoolers, Ned and MJ, and some even some new ones alongside familiar faces, Flash. They're, you know, basically what their characters were in Homecoming. Some of them are kind of pushed to the side a little bit because we have new characters like Jake John Hall and we're also trying to give more significance to characters like MJ or even Happy Hogan to a degree, which means, yeah, we don't see much from, like, Flash or really that much from Ned. He just kind of pops in here and there. Um, But I think that's a smart choice because as fun as Ned was to watch in Homecoming, it's cool to see development of other characters so that we can really set up for some more Spider-Man movies. Something this movie does really well is it builds all the characters naturally. Like It's like, okay, we actually made MJ a really cool character now. Okay, Happy Hogan's a pretty cool character now. Okay, Aunt May actually has some more significance to a smaller degree, but still some more than she did in Homecoming. You can see it really culminating really well in another MCU Spider-Man movie, and they're just taking all these characters in new and interesting directions that I'm interested to see what they do with the following MCU Spider-Man movies. I'm assuming they're going to be making more, of course. Uh, After all, end credit scenes uh, are there for a reason. They always set up the next thing. All right, let's talk about Jake Gyllenhaal... Uh, as Mysterio, he's cool. Uh, he's uh, he's really fun to watch as this cool hero that Spider-Man is learning from, and of course he just has this charm that comes with this. Uh, I think Jake Gyllenhaal was a lot of fun in this movie. If you're a Jake Gyllenhaal fan, you're just gonna see him as Jake Gyllenhaal the whole time. Unfortunately, that was kind of the biggest thing that I noticed is I'm just like, you know, Jake Gyllenhaal rocks in this movie, and I wasn't really like envisioning him as the character as much as I would in say uh, Nightcrawler or prisoners where he really does become the character he's playing. It's hard to see him. I think that's kind of a, you know, a trademark thing of good actors, Daniel Day-Lewis, people like that, that really just, be, they're kind of chameleons. And in this, he's just kind of like, oh, look, likable Jake Hall playing likable Jake Hall for most of this movie. So, you know, that kind of is there, but it's at the end of the day, it's still likable. Jake Hall, so it's fun to watch. Uh, so maybe consider that it's just Jake Hall having some fun with this role. But he's still pretty fun. He's got some good comedy, some good, uh, you know, kind of mentorship to Peter. And we'll talk about him a little la- a little bit later as well. Okay, I think I kind of tackled the big acting ones. I talked about how MJ is given a little bit more of a relevance in this movie. They kept her kind of weirdness, but kind of took down the awkwardness a little bit more than she was in homecoming. She was a little bit more natural here, but again, it kind of felt like a natural evolution, especially with her and Peter kind of coming to terms a little bit more and uh, engaging with each other a little bit more. It made a lot of sense. The other thing I want to talk about this movie is the writing. Uh, The comedy is there. Sometimes there's some unnecessary comedy, like do we really need a sequence of, you know, a few things happening, like uh, Peter Parker meeting this really intimidating, weird, like Russian lady or a lady in Prague that's like, try on this suit right now. Do we need a whole scene dedicated to that? Probably not. Do we need a whole scene dedicated to the awkward teacher that we all like, but him like taking a picture for a good minute? Like probably not. You know, those are funny gags to maybe put in the background, But there's so much comedy in the actual plot points in this movie. Uh, A lot of the final battle of things that, like, Happy Hogan is doing during the final battle comes to mind. A lot of the plot points of getting to Europe in the first place come to mind. There's a lot of natural comedy that just comes with the plot, as well as just some, like, good visual gags of, like, Spider-Man getting interviewed at one person, and there's just a kid wearing, like, a paper plate painted as Spider-Man that just looks really hilarious. There's things like that that's, like, there's a couple unnecessary scenes later on. Do we need a scene with just, like, some weird Netherlands guys in prison. No, we don't. I mean, this movie has a lot of comedic punches. It's like, do we really need this? No. That's that feeling I had after the movie. It was fun during, but then I'm like, you know what? We could have had a really tight narrative uh, even without some of these unnecessary comedic gags. I felt like the writers needed to trust the other comedy that came up naturally in dialogue or in plot points a little bit more just to kind of clean up everything a little bit more, just make the movie slightly tighter, but it didn't detract that much. It still felt like a pretty quick ride, so not a huge complaint, but, you know, something to bring up. Uh, one thing I did like about this movie is uh, it, of course, benefited from outside knowledge of the MCU, but it was another one that was a little bit smaller in scale to a point where you could just come up, come in and watch this movie. It did deal with the fallout of Endgame a lot in the first five minutes, talking about uh, just the logistics of, everything that occurred in Endgame and Infinity War and, you know, where the world is now, that was very necessary uh, for viewers who hadn't seen Endgame, but also for viewers that had. Because if you hadn't seen Endgame, you're like, okay, I understand now a little bit, at least to just keep this plot going, a few of the details. And if you hadn't seen Endgame, it's just like, okay, now we know what the clear rules are. Because we just, we weren't sure what, what occurred with the snap and were people aging and stuff like that. But now it was kind of like, okay, I see what the rule set is. So a little bit of necessary exposition but not to a degree that you had to rely on it. There's a lot of good callbacks in this movie, callbacks I wasn't expecting. I was expecting this movie to just kind of keep moving on, but there were great callbacks to certain Iron Man moments and MCU movie moments that I was... They they were just completely unexpected in a great way where I was like, oh, I was not expecting that character to pop up again. This is great. As far as cinematography goes, this movie is a bit bigger in scale than Homecoming. Homecoming was all about the neighborhood and things like that, just Spider-Man learning where he's coming from, um, where we did still get wide shots of suburbs and stuff like that, but there was a lot more personal relationship kind of building with Ned and uh, and with Iron Man and Spider-Man Homecoming. Uh, in this, we're getting a lot bigger set pieces, as I mentioned, when we're fighting the big monsters, which means we're getting a lot of fun swooping shots and a lot of fun um, just, like, grand-scale shots. The cinematography is very wide and, like, look at this huge set piece, which is what Marvel likes to do, but it was definitely a noticeable difference from homecoming to this. There's a great kind of like almost dream sequence that I don't want to spoil or anything, so I'm not gonna talk about it in this, like what that section entailed, but the cinematography there was really cool because we had like these really seamless transitions from frame to frame of these crazy things happening. That was awesome. I'll talk about that in the spoiler full section, but I can mention in the spoiler free section that the cinematography there was really smooth, really like unexpected transitions, cool transitions. Uh, it was disorienting, like it was supposed to be for Spider Man. I really liked that. I think I am pretty much done talking about stuff that is for free because there's big things I want to talk about in the spore full section. Um, but as far as like movie making goes, you know, pretty typical Marvel of fun blockbuster stuff with some actual moments of heart. And I talked about the writing and the acting already a little bit at length. Um, I like the Spider Man score, uh, Michael Giacchino, I think that's how you say it. Giacchino, G- I think it's probably Giacchino. But either way, uh, he's done a lot of uh, good scores. I think he did Spider-Man Homecoming. I know he did Up. Everybody loves Up score, right? And uh, it's great. I mean, there's a great triumphant Spider-Man theme that is played for, you know, a- as most superhero themes are played. You know, we get it at their lows and at their highs in different instrumental uh, ways and the orchestral stuff here is just great. It really swells. There's callbacks to the original Spider-Man kind of cartoon themes, and so the MCU Spider-Man scores I felt have been very strong uh, up to this point, as well as the actual soundtracks. that was bringing some really good songs, especially for like the end credits. Both end credit songs uh, are awesome. Um, anyway, I think uh, I think I've talked about everything I can talk about in the spoil free section. Uh, which means it is time to move on to this for a full section where I can talk about one thing at length. Um, but that means if you haven't seen Spider-Man: Far From Home, I would turn this off uh, and recommend you go see it. But that means I also forgot to sum up uh, what this movie, where this movie stands in terms of score and stuff like that. Uh, like, actual rating, because, as you know, I rate everything from 1 to 10, and Spider-Man Far From Home gets a 9. I really had a great time with this movie. A lot of people, you know, if you're not an MCU fan, you're going to grade MCU movies a bit more honestly. For me, as just, like, a superhero fan, especially of Marvel characters, I do tend to kind of shift a lot of Marvel movies to the upper scale of my things. Like, on Merit alone, the MCU movies I've given 10 out of 10 stars, probably, you know, they may be semi it, but it's more of the, like, fan part of it that seals the deal but i do feel like this movie is really tight with like good plot points and a lot of fun stuff that even if you're not like a superhero fan it's just a good movie like a good villain movie a good high school movie in a way so i do think this nine is justified but uh in terms of mcu rankings i haven't actually done my mcu ranking episode so i don't want to give away where anything stands in that yet because i know i'm going to do that at some point might even do it with grant but this did slide pretty easily up until the up into the top ten. If you really want to know my MC rankings, of course you can check me out on Letterbox at Film Dylan. But I probably will do an episode on that at some point. Uh, but this stood up there pretty easily. The villain in this movie slides up there pretty easily, and uh, the final battle is just kind of middle of the road. But you know, those are the three Marvel rankings I've done. I I don't only have I only have the actual movie rankings on Letterbox. Maybe I'll make a villains list at some point. But anyway. Uh, that is this movie, Spider-Man Far From Home. So, if you haven't seen this movie, I would say, uh, turn this episode off. Uh, I will do the plugs at the end, but I will spare you the plugs for now because you haven't seen this movie. That's, I guess, the reward you get. Um, I don't know. But, anyway, uh, we are about to enter the Spoiler full section, so thank you for listening. And if you're still listening, welcome to the Spoiler full section. The following audio will contain countless spoilers and discussions of significant character arcs and plot points. You've been warned. Don't ruin the movie for yourself. Unless, of course, do you want to? CineStudy is not liable. Okay, one big thing we need to talk about. Everybody knows this. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal is Mysterio the villain. I think if you had any sort of knowledge of Mysterio, you probably knew he was a bad guy. You were probably anticipating Jake Hall to turn bad about halfway through this movie. I was the whole time too. There was like the ounce of me that was like, oh, maybe they're going to make him a hero. But I was just like, no, there's no chance. There's absolutely no chance the villains of this movie are the elementals, especially when I realized, oh, we've defeated all the elementals already in like, you know, 50 minutes maybe. So Jake Hall takes the turn and uh, there's just so much to talk about here. All right. Because He gives a huge exposition dump about his villain origin story. And this has been mentioned many times before in other reviews and, you know, this is kind of common knowledge, exposition dumps are not good, but that this one is good because it's just Jake all having fun delivering it. I tend to agree with that sentiment. He's just so fun to watch that it's like, I don't mind that I'm just getting a lot of information thrown in my face. And especially as a Marvel fan, I didn't mind it because we got that awesome callback to Civil War that I was not anticipating. We got some unexpected Jeff Bridges that I was not anticipating in the least bit. Tony Stark was able to build this in a cave! With a box of scraps, and I loved it. I was hoping they would do that with everybody, but then I just realized they would just be kind of filler. I, but I really enjoyed the ones we did get. And I thought it was a pretty compelling origin. Me and Grant kind of had a discussion about who's better, Vulture or Mysterio, and I kind of summed it up. Uh, you know, I had I first of all I considered this a lot. Like this was re- that was a really tough question for me. I thought about it a ton, um, but ultimately I did settle on Mysterio. And this is for a few reasons. He devastates Peter's life more by revealing his identity. And he also frames it as if he was trying to commit mass murder. So that's kind of crazy. Uh, His powers are way cooler than Vulture. Um, But the main argument for Vulture was that Vulture has a really cool, clear-cut motivation of, like, the Avengers leave a lot of Fallout, and that hurts me, but I can maybe come back from this semi-illegally. But Mysterio has kind of three-in-one That are pretty good, and they're pretty well thought out. You know, they're kind of little pieces as opposed to, like, Vulture's really straightforward one. But I think they're all pretty good, which is that, you know, Tony Stark stole his tech. That's a big one. And to, like, unintentionally spite him, named it Barf. Um, But also that Mysterio wants to kind of fill the void of Iron Man to not only feed his ego, but also just kind of take over the Iron Man legacy that screwed him over in the past. And the, also, he was kind of exploiting the fact that his quote is "people will believe anything" after all the crazy stuff of the last two Avengers movies. So he kind of exploits that ideology and is like, "Yo, I can really, I, I can profit off of this in ego, in wealth, in success, in respect." And so that's pretty cool. Uh, and then in terms of like acting ability, like menace alongside charm, because both villains kind of have that. Jake Hall is pretty much equal to Michael Keaton in that. Um, especially when you compare, like, the two notable sequences from the movies, which is the car ride with Michael Keaton and, like, the menace uh, and the charm that comes with that. That whole scene is executed perfectly. But also the illusion sequence in this, where Jake Gyllenhaal is terrifying. I'm going to wait a second to talk about the illusion. Let's talk about the reveal first. When the bar starts turning, I was like, okay, I knew this. And as soon as he gave him the glasses, I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm pretty sure I know where this is going. I think I kind of knew it the whole time, but then it was kind of what sealed the deal. But one thing I haven't heard in any reviews, and please, listeners... Please, please correct me if I'm wrong, but I swear by this, is that when the bar is starting to like fade away... Like, Jake John Hall 100% looks straight into the camera, like, breaking the fourth wall in, like, perfect Mysterio fashion, like, of being this illusion expert who just kind of messes with reality. Like, when everything's fading, I feel like he is looking right into the camera as the smile comes on his face. His gaze only gives when he says, you know, was that so hard? That's when he turns is when he says, well, was that so hard? But before that, his slowly building smile, I swear he is looking right at the camera, and if I'm wrong, if this was just a weird memory of me, then oh well. But if I'm right, I feel like that's such a smart choice. Like I, I know it sounds kind of crazy, and it, you know, it sounds usually breaking the fourth wall is something you do either comedically or you have to have really good reason for it. But it does such service to the character of Mysterio as being this like basically a, a, he's a failed actor, I believe in the comics, and of being this crazy movie maker like uh, illusionist. Like, that fits so well with him just looking right into the camera like, no, I actually control this reality perfectly. Like, I'm the one with the knowledge and the tech that has made the whole movie you've been watching so far seem like this almost cheesy battle against the elementals, which I'll talk about the cheesy part in a second. So I hope I'm right about that. If I'm not, then I'm probably just crazy. But maybe, please, listeners, either back me up or uh, tell me if I'm wrong Either message me on Instagram or email me, and I'll plug all that at the end. But I need somebody to answer this call. I need somebody to answer the call. Um, anyway, if, if they did it, awesome choice. If they didn't, I'm crazy, but I wish they would have made that choice. So let's just settle it with that. Um, but the cheesiness I was talking about. The whole time, Jake Gyllenhaal seals the deal of, like, this guy's a poser when you look back on it. He's like, I'm doing this for my family. I'm going to do what I should have done a long time ago and charge right into the heart of the beast. Like, I'm like, this is perfect. It's like him just posing as, like, the ideal superhero of I came from another dimension. I was a valiant soldier. Could have used a soldier like you, Spider-Man, to save my family. And we're going to fight the fire monster now. And it seems so staged. And the whole time, me knowing, okay, Mysterio's probably a bad guy, I was loving it. I could see where it might have turned a lot of people off, and I feel like a lot of people, after only one viewing, don't like the first act that much, but if they watch it again, would, because there's a lot of that of, like, dude, Jake Hall is very clearly not the guy he claims to be. There's a lot of that, and I enjoyed it as someone who knew Mysterio was going to take a turn from comic knowledge and just the, the idea was, like, there's no way they take this guy in a hero direction. Of course, there was, like, a, a sliver of me expecting that, but... 99.9% of me was like, no, this guy is just going to turn. We got a classic uh, double cross coming at some point. So I really liked the first act in the sense that I feel like Peter's just getting played, um, but you also get all the high school juggling stuff. So I, I think it's pretty cool. Um, but let's talk about post-Twist Mysterio. Jake Hall is so fun to watch. He is, I mean, he's just awesome. I mean, I've mentioned this. I, I, everybody knows I'm a big Jake Hall fan, one of my favorites. And he nails it. I mean, let's look at the illusion sequence, all right? Because we need to talk about the illusion sequence. First of all, the cinematography, like I mentioned, awesome. Second of all, the actual concepts of it. Like, let's have the Eiffel Tower stuff where MJ's standing on top of the Eiffel Tower and the moon turns out to be Fishbowl Mysterio and he just grabs her and chucks her off. Like, that's genius how Mysterio is playing off of all these things, all all the information he's gathered from Peter. I love that that he kind of takes all that and put and kind of twists it uh, in Peter's mind here. And he does the same with Zombie Iron Man, which was an awesome, risky, but awesome choice. Really loved that. Um, and it's just so creepy, all right? When he first launched himself into this kind of crazy illusion, the moment where everything, like, goes black, green mist comes in, and the lockers, like, fall from the ceiling, and then Mysterio just, like, stomps on the ground and starts slowly walking towards Spider-Man down this, like, abandoned school hallway with, like, flickering LEDs... It is so creepy like the production design on that alongside what most of it was vfx is beautiful in its color scheme of like the greens and the black and the the kind of flickers of purple and mysterio kind of coming out of nowhere and adding to that it's beautiful but it's also just this great mood of like spider-man has no idea what's going on and i feel like the music and the sound was used very well it's very quiet for actually a lot of this there's some big music beats and of course there's the sound effects of whatever's happening and uh, Jake Hall gives some great menacing voiceover that really kind of continues to flesh out his motivation. But silence is used very well. You do get a jump scare, but besides that, I mean, there is a lot of just like quiet things happening of Spider-Man looking around. You just hear him like out of breath and freaking out. It- it's used just as well in the end when he is dodging all the drones at the very end in the hallway fight with Mysterio at the very end of the movie, uh, and he's trying to harness the spider sense, so it's also very quiet then. Uh, it's just all the Mysterio illusions are beautifully done in terms of how they look, and also just the way you are also sucked into them because it's quiet, it's personal with Spider-Man. You are focused on like these crazy, like the camera just like pulling out, and oh, Spider-Man's in Mysterio's helmet now, or oh, here's an army of Mysterios walking towards you. Um, That's all cool, but then there's a lot of times where we're just with Spider-Man as he looks around crazily, and uh, it just gives you, it just disorients you as much as it's disorienting Spider-Man. But just, yeah, the writing and the story, whoever storyboarded that scene, big props to them and then just the the way it's executed it's so much fun and it's also just so intense especially with this kind of big grand finale of spider-man just getting decked by a train um not to be ignored also though like oh we're out of it jake joan hall just got shot nope nick fury is jake joan hall that was a cool reveal uh that got me i was not expecting that at all i was just as gullible as peter i was like oh shoot we're out of it and then we weren't and like when jake joan hall got shot i was like oh man we're done but then we weren't and it was even better because as, you know, intense and you're rooting for Peter and he's getting absolutely abused, uh, all that in this scene as it is, it's still so much fun to watch. It's so cool. Alright, I think that kind of covers it. You've heard me talk about how excited I am about Jake Joan Hall in this movie. Mid-credit scene goes without saying. A lot of fun. J.K. Simmons, me and, me and Grant saw this movie together and we just, we were like, NO WAY when that happened. We were so pumped. Like, that was the most unexpected and rewarding thing ever. I was almost crying laughing at the fact that they actually did that. It was so awesome. But then also, Of course, Jake Gyllenhaal just devastates Peter, revealing his identity and everything. And Mysterio wins. Like, this is one of the villains that he does win. He might be dead, he might not. Let's assume he is. He still kind of won because he's absolutely ruined Spider-Man, made himself look like the hero, and stepped into Iron Man's shoes for a brief time. So Mysterio is a lot bigger villain than, like, we can let on right now because you're not supposed to go around saying Mysterio's the villain until there's, you know, I guess there's kind of a spoiler uh, ban right now. Obviously I try to avoid it. I didn't want to allude to it too much in the spoiler free section, but, uh, because you know, people, there's going to be people that don't see it coming. I, I, I I want to preserve that experience for whoever I can preserve it for. But anyway, um, great mid credit scene and establishes that the fallout from this movie is big because we went super big with infinity war and Endgame, right? Because the fallout from those is huge. So Anything on this was going to seem small scale, but just that big thing of taking the character of Spider-Man a new direction made this movie hold its own in regard with regards to you know taking the characters to the next level or taking them out of the next uh, into the next phase of the MCU, which is currently you know pretty much unannounced. All right, Jake all awesome. I've talked about everything uh, as far as like actual time goes. I have to run. I can't sit here recording much longer. But I, I loved this movie. Uh, if you've listened to this, you already went and saw it more than likely. Um, but just a great time. Uh, I liked Homecoming slightly more, I think, because Homecoming was so unexpected for me, and I could debate this at length, and this might eventually surpass Homecoming. It's such a toss-up right now. I just had to really think about it, and I, I absolutely love Homecoming. Um, but this is right there. And uh, But with all that being said, I loved Far From Home. I hope to see it again soon. Uh, and I hope you, listener, enjoyed it as much as me, and I hope if you didn't, I hope you at least enjoyed Jake Hall to the same degree as me, because, man, that guy's awesome. But that's it. Spider-Man Far From Home mini-review. Thank you for listening. You can check us out on Instagram at CineStudyPodcast. Same on Facebook. You can check me out on Letterboxd at FilmDylan. Email me at CineStudyPodcast at gmail.com or message me on Instagram. Let me know, did Jake Hall break the fourth wall? And if so, how cool was that? Or if so, that... Uh, you know, tell me why you didn't like that. But anyway, I think those are the plugs. Am I missing something? I don't think so. Uh, Let's uh, call it an episode then. Thank you for listening to this mini-review of Spider-Man Far From Home, and I'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening to CineStudy.